I have two points this morning, and uh, I'll get to them in just a minute. Uh, there was a husband one year who decided to buy his mother-in-law a cemetery plot for Christmas. <laughs> the next year, he didn't buy her a gift, and when she asked him why, he replied, well, you still haven't used the gift I bought you last year. And that's how the fight started. I asked my wife, uh, where do you want to go for our anniversary? And my heart warmed to see her face melt in that sweet appreciation. Her answer was, somewhere I haven't been in a long time. So I suggested, how about the kitchen? And that's when the fight started. My wife walked into the TV room and said, what's on the TV? I replied, dust. And that's how the fight started. Number one, I don't know that any of those stories are true. It just was, I thought they were funny. Hope you did too. Number one, honor your father. Matthew 15 has this. And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God says, honor your father and mother and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. And then he says, but then you do this stuff. And, you know, anything from the scripture we don't want to keep, we figure out a way. We, it's called, by outsiders, it's called rationalization. To us who are doing it, it seems perfectly obvious. But... Jesus brought this right between the eyes. Honor your father. And then in Ephesians 6, verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Father's Day is an interesting time for a lot of people. There are people who did not come to church today because the pain is still too raw, somehow related to father. Maybe it is because their dad died since last Father's Day, and they just don't need that in their face all service long. Uh, others had a father that they would have been so much better served if he had died long ago. And I don't mean that, I know that sounds kind of cold or cynical, but um, some guys would, would bless their family if they just disappeared. And um, so we have fathers that are supremely honorable. They're not perfect, but oh my goodness, they're good. And they just build and bless and strengthen, and everywhere they go, they are a blessing. Uh, my wife had a dad like that when, I've, when we first got married and I was beginning to hear from God and try, God was trying to work me over a little bit. And so we would be talking about what the scripture said and her line for a couple of years there was, but dad said, because dad was trustworthy. He was a godly man. He was serious about loving God with all of his heart, loving his wife, loving his kids, loving the work of God. My dad had a similar focus. And then we have dads all the way over to they just weren't even there. And, and like I said, some we would have been better off if they weren't there. So 
we have all kinds of fathers. The last couple of weeks, I've, I had some special prayer with, with uh, actually one of my colleagues who, who was going to have to put, be put into a situation where a dad that was far less than he should have been, he was going to have to confront this whole situation, and, and he turned to me for prayer, and, and uh, I know that the Lord has had his hand on him, but, um, you know, it's just... It's all in between. Most of most dads fall somewhere between this supremely honorable and this awful person. Um, and and let me just say it out loud: some dads abused their kids, some sexually, some uh, emotionally, some physically. And so, if we just you know, you just don't build a shrine that says "dad" and bow down to that. You you have to you have to cut away the stuff. And bless the ones who deserve it. But what are we going to do about the others? The scripture says, honor your father. And that is a, that is a weird thought to some of you. But I want to call you this morning to a, a level of loving God where you can obey and honor people who, to the best of your knowledge, are not honorable. Now, is that hypocritical? Well, let's, let's look at that. Let's, let's answer that question if we can. The Spirit of God revealed an order in society without which society will be far less than it, than it must be to produce godly offspring because that's kind of what culture is about is, is having kids filling up the earth and these kids live for God, love God, work for God and raise their families for God. So when, when dad was less than honorable, here is the deal. If God calls you to bless him, to honor him, then he will give you the strength to do that. It was one of the greatest days of my life when it dawned on me that God, when he called for something, would give me the strength to do it, or else it was a joke. Because if it's anything special at all, I'm not going to be able to do it. If it's calling for some kind of consistent righteousness, get over it, God. It's not going to, you're not going to find it here. And so it was like, then, then you discover those verses like uh, Philippians 1, 6 that says, he that started this work in you will finish it. And you start saying, oh, he will finish it. I'm going to cooperate. I'm going to give my faith. I'm going to, I'm going to try to do whatever discipline would seem to be called for. But it's not up to my faith and it's not up to my discipline in the end, for it is God who gives us faith in the first place and gives us the grace to do the disciplinary thing with our own life in the second place. I love that because otherwise, just go ahead and save yourself. You know, you're good, you're strong, you're wonderful. And you say, <laughs> you need to stay where you are, you get it too close, you might learn about me. You didn't get that? I just slapped you upside the head. If you missed that, I can take another swing. I have a pretty long arm. But uh, the deal, you know what I'm talking about. 
And let's rise to the occasion to bless dads that are not honorable. You say they don't deserve it. What? I, I don't understand that response. It's like, say, you're, you're, it's like saying to them, to you, you're supposed to forgive these people. Well, they don't deserve it. Well, what do you think forgiveness is? So what do you think this going beyond is? It goes to people who don't deserve it. That's the miracle of it. That's why we have to have the grace of God. That's why we have to have God's help. So let's go beyond that. And let me, let me tell you what to do. Don't start manipulating them unless the Lord, if, if you're estranged from dad, uh, let the Lord guide you how and when to start reaching out to them. Your greatest power is in your prayer closet, especially when you start trying to obey what God says to do, like honoring your father, especially if he's not honorable. When you start honoring him in prayer and start trying to change the way you, you think about him and the way you pray for him, and if you need to know, how, do you pray well for yourself? You really get, you get down with God and you pray the right stuff and you, you ask for Christ to be formed and for your ego to be set aside and for the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through you and that you can be a real foot washer. You, you pray like that, I hope. Pray for him like that. That, to me, is the bottom line is how can I get to the place how can I get to the place that I pray for someone that I don't like, like I pray for myself? Well, if you set yourself to do that, God will work that in you. That's one of the many fulfillments of the scripture that I used to hate. And it says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Don't you love it? You're a perfectionist? That is one of the stinkiest scriptures in the Bible. Stinky is a theological term. I used to hate that. Perfectionists don't want weakness. Because when I'm weak, I sin. And thus I'm not perfect. Well, join the club, you know. But the Lord comes in when we are weak and demonstrates this stuff that fulfills the scripture fulfills his commands and makes us so full of joy so go for it now if your dad is wonderful um, it's really easy to bless him but make sure you do it if dad is gone then process the memories into the place where God when you think of dad if it was a very negative memory you when you think of that that God can bless you with peace and ultimately you can grow to the place where you have joy in that awful what used to be an awful thought you don't think that can happen don't sell the Holy Spirit short he can do it he will do it he does it all the time number two fathers arise Go for it. Uh, Greg read that blessing that he put on his sons. And uh, I love that. And it's just like, son, arise. May you be blessed in, in a thousand ways. And 
So dads, the first thing I would say to you is love your kid's mother, okay? Now, you may not be married to her anymore. So you're going to have to be kind of careful about that. But if, you've, if you are married to her, put her ahead of the kids. Put her ahead of yourself. Put her right under devotion to God, who is number one. If, you, if that's not the order in your life, then arise to this occasion. Reorder your life so that you get this thing with the, God the priority. And then your marriage and then your parenting, and then uh, what you do for God's work in and around the kingdom of God and in your daily life. Also, God calls us to teach. In Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, it's talking about the ways of God, the laws of God, the important uh, principles of God, and the quote is, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Now, you don't have to have exclusively spiritual conversation with your kid. You need to find out how school is going if they're in school. You need to find out how the the practice went if they're on a team. You You need other stuff, but make sure you include the spiritual stuff. Now, dads have have a little struggle with that because in our insecurity, we just kind of slide past that and say, mom will take care of that. Well, moms take care of that, but may God bless your house to the extent that when, mother, you're taking care of spiritual stuff, it's building upon what dad has done. And dad, let's Let's don't act like we are so weak and wimpy that we can't do this. Let's just rise up and do it. Well, it, it's, it's so contrived. Well, do it anyway. You're not that smooth. Everything else, not everything. Almost everything else is, is a little bit jerky and appears contrived anyway. So why, why does this have to be smooth? And if you're new among us, this kind of sarcastic stuff is my main way of abusing these poor people who come here week after week. And so I'm, I'm really not as vicious as I sound, and I really do love them. <laughs> Number three, Dad, train your kids. Uh, Joe shared it with us. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. Provide for your kids. And this can be kind of sticky now in this cult, in this particular thing in our culture where uh, the, the cash flow gets really, really tight in certain instances. But um, in 2 Corinthians 12, the apostle writes, Now I'm ready to visit you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you because what I want is not your possessions, but you, after all, Children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. It's just an obvious thing in the economy of God, the way God made things, that parents provide for their kids. So dad, uh, work, and I've I've watched one of our dads, a man that is godly and I respect so much, and his business kind of went away, and he just started doing all kinds of of, uh, small jobs, jobs that are really not very high on the, on the totem pole of, of uh, 
career, but he had to provide cash flow, so he did it. And that, I respect that incredibly. That is just wonderful to me. Another thing that uh, is very important, Dad, is that you nurture your kids. Father, do not exasperate, we've heard this morning. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The training and instruction of the Lord. Putting your arms around the kids and praying with them. One of the ways that we did this <coughs> at home. Uh, our house was blessed with this incredible gift of, of two little girls. They were aged seven and four when we came to town. And we've been here 10 or 15 years because they're clear up in their 20s now. Um, so we, we made the decision <clears throat> that we were going to put them in public school. And if you're a public school teacher, uh, please don't take offense at that because we were already that long ago beginning to talk about what was happening in our public schools, which has continued to worsen. And uh, this was not a slam on the teachers at all. It was, it was what was being pressed. When you take outside money for education, you take outside pressures on what is taught. And so we were dealing with that in our household. There were good Christian schools. Uh, and homeschooling was not an, an option for us because of the way the personalities fell. It just wouldn't have worked at our house. So we put them in public school. And their wonderful mother made it her business to be involved totally at the school, was on the PTA um, executive committee all, th all through the years that that they especially were in uh, grade school. And so I was, uh, I, I made it my business every day of the world when I would get home before dinner would be to go to each one of them and say, well, how'd school go today? Well, you do that twice in a row. And they say, Dad, you always say that. No, I haven't said it yet today. I want to know how it went today. I'm not interested in yesterday. I want to know how it went today. And usually there was nothing to talk about. <clears throat> once every year or two, maybe once a year, there would have been something that they needed to talk about. So I'd listen and, and we might cry together or whatever. And then I'd offer to go hurt somebody if they wanted me to. And they never, fortunately, never took me up on that offer. And then I would, when we kind of worked through some of the emotion of it, I'd say, okay, now you know what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to forgive. And I would walk them right through forgiveness. We would pray together. And listen, if someone will take your kid when, when he has taken a serious emotional blow and walk him through the healing stuff so that it, the dagger is pulled out and the wound is opened up and it can heal from the bottom out. They will have a scar, but it won't be tender. It will not be a spot that if you touch it, you get this stuff. Where'd that come from? It's, it's not there. If little kids had a coach, some of the most awful stuff that could happen to kids would not mark them if they had somebody to coach them. It's not your fault. And if it is your fault, then you need, to forg uh, you need to forgive yourself. And if you may need to ask others for forgiveness. If it's somebody else's fault, you need to forgive them, etc. They will grow up healthy 
All of us grow up with little old wounds and stuff like that, but we don't have to have these monster things that just cripple us emotionally and make us uh, weird in, in our social setting. You follow me? Nurture your kids. Who's supposed to do that? Well, I send them to school and I pay the salaries of that. And you know what? I don't want to hear you say that because that makes me so mad that I might do something that both of us would regret. Don't act like that. You are responsible, sir. You are responsible, sir. Education, spiritual life, care, feeding, loving their mother, the whole deal. You are responsible. Don't act like, well, I had a bad dad and I just got a cripple. Fake it. Act like you. That's what they taught you as a little kid. Why don't you act right? Okay, Dad, why don't you act right if you've got these excuses? Now, when you take responsibility for this, it will change everything about your family. You say, well, you... My wife is a better spiritual person and a spiritual leader than I am. I married a woman that's more spiritual than I am. I remember looking at that and think, how am I going to lead her? She talks to God and God talks to her. And I, I, he does me too about once every five years. And he talks to her several times a week. How am I supposed to get out in front? Get out in front. Love her. When she gets a word from the Lord, listen and enjoy it. It's coming into the house. It may not come through you, but it's there. I remember figuring out if I can just get Eunice when we've got this big problem, whatever it was, in our lives, in the church, wherever, if I can just get her over in that corner to praying, it'll all change. And sometimes she would do it when I wanted to, and sometimes she took a while. But anyway, um, you see, we have the responsibility, and it's not to be the boss. It's to get out front and try to clean up stuff so the family can get through with a little less hassle and the work of God can be done, and it's exciting. And we have men in this. Well, you, you saw those guys that stood up here. These guys are willing to take a stand. Are they perfect? Uh, their wives say they're not, but I, I don't know. No, they don't, guys. That, that, was, a, that was contrived. Okay. Uh, but just do it because God is with you, and he loves you. He called you. You were his choice. You didn't choose him. He chose you. He loves you. Go for it. You say, well, my kids are grown and I've blown it. Let me tell you. You can mark their lives for good until you die. My dad has continued to be a blessing to me after, <clears throat> after I've been out of the house for 40 years. Or whatever because he just has this way of putting that blessing um, man it it is wonderful nurture your kids and the last thing I want to I want to say about this on this list of fathers arises as dads control your kids um, there is a there is a double standard in scripture and I know that if you've grown up in in our culture, that's probably like saying 
something obscene in the Scripture or there is heresy in the Scripture. But the double standard is for uh, elders and deacons, there is a higher expectation of the lifestyle. And out of that list, in 1 Timothy 3, it says, He, that is the elder or deacon, must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. How do you do that? Well, the first way, Dad, is to love those little old kids. Now, I remember being in the, in the hospital with uh, our third grandkid, the first grandson. He had croup, and he was, I don't think he was a year old. I think he was still crawling. And so he was in children's mercy down south part of town, and uh, his mother and grandmother... We were all three of us there, and his mother and grandmother went for some dinner. And so I was down in the floor playing with this little baby. And um, I don't remember what he was playing. I, I, I think he probably forgot to tell me. But he wanted me to sit in the shower. And then he would crawl in there and, you know, and back and forth. And the nurses were coming. And, and one of the nurses remarked about this. And she said, you know, there are, there are people who just don't like little kids. You know, it's like they come in the room, it's like, hello, and then they just... And then there are people that like little kids, and they, they call them over, and they love on them, and they give them attention. And then there are people who get down in the floor with little kids. And so there's kind of that three deal. Now, if you don't really like kids, maybe you shouldn't have any at all, because they just come and stay. You know, they don't go anywhere. They may go to the hospital overnight, but mostly they just stay. All right. And uh, so this, this controlled thing, the, the, I think the, the one thing that uh, was probably the farthest from perfection in my dad's life was that, that when he spanked, he was working out of some woundedness in his own life. He rebelled against his dad, and he just knew that his sons were going to rebel against him, and he, de- he determined to beat it out of us. So when he spanked, it was more than we needed. He got by with it. We both love him and loved him all the way through because he was just with us. He wagged us everywhere. He loved horses. And so when I was three, I got a horse. I didn't want a horse at three, but I got one. And I became a horseman. I didn't really want to be a horseman, but I used to be pretty good. We could break horses. I, as a matter of fact, it became my job after he got thrown and got hurt. And I was in my early 20s. I was the, I was the um, bronco buster. It's a wonderful chore. And, but we trained our horses. We, we rode them for pleasure. And we were just always with that, always with that. And so he got by with being too severe. Uh, I was determined I wasn't going to be that severe. But I still believed in spanking. And if you need to know about that program that I set up, to protect me from ever feeling like I had been abusive to these little tiny girls. Um, I had to protect myself. And so I did. But um, you must learn whatever the kid takes. Now, I, I don't think it's fair for me to t- tell you what we did at our house and say, that's just going to work. Because our girls were so easy that our families hated us. You know, when Pam was uh, 10 days old... She slept from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. 
She did that until she was a year and a half old and had the flu and woke up one morning at one thirty. She's a year and a half old, woke up one thirty in the morning, made some kind of noise, and Eunice and I were both just boom in her room because we, we didn't know what was going on. She'd never done this before. So, you know, when I talk about raising kids, you know, just ignore me probably because your kids are not like that. And uh, I could tell you that it's because we were so righteous that we got good kids like that. But having known us, you would say, nah. So we're just blessed, and I just thank God. Um, but whatever it takes, whatever it takes, do not have the kid and then say, they're beyond my abilities. I can't do it. Don't do that. You get in the books, you get into counseling, you get into the prayer, you get into the scripture, you get somewhere and work out a way that that kid can be given what he needs to become successful in the kingdom of God. Moms, obviously that's for you too. Now, there is a very interesting study that came out from Switzerland. Uh, it came out in 2000. And uh, it was... Uh, with regard to the generational transmission of faith and religious values. In short, the study reveals that, quote, it is the religious practice of the father of the family that above all determines the future attendance at or absence from church of the children. The study reported, number one, if both father and mother attend regularly, 33% of their children will end up as regular churchgoers. 41% will end up attending irregularly. Only a quarter of their children will end up not practicing at all. Number two, if the father is irregular and the mother regular, only 3% of the children will subsequently become regular themselves, while a further 59% will become irregulars, 38% will be lost to the church. Number three, if the father is non-practicing and the mother regular, only 2% of the children will become regular worshipers. 37% will attend irregularly. Over 60% of their children will be completely lost to the church. And it was, it was fascinating to turn this study over. What happens if the father is regular, but the mother irregular or non-practicing? Extraordinarily, the percentage of children becoming regular goes up from 33 to 38% if the father is the regular one and mom is either irregular or non-practicing. 44% if the father is regular and the mom is non-practicing, as if loyalty to the father's commitment grows in proportion to the mother's laxity or indifference to religion. What does that say? Dad, take the lead. Take the lead. Your kids will grow up and love God. And here is, here's what I have found. There are parents that go to great lengths to try to live what they preach, teach, whatever. And that, that gets to be a great pressure. Let me minister to that pressure before we close. If you blow it, and if you don't, I don't want to hear about it. Because <laughs> the rest of us just do that from time to time. When, let me put it this way, when you blow it, acknowledge it, ask for forgiveness. Now, I got to be the guy that tucked in these little girls at our house. And that was so much fun. 
And so I'd, I'd put them in their respective beds and, and might say something to them. If we had a little bit of time, there were some stories they liked me to tell and would ask for this or that. But now on, in the times when I had, I had really pulled one that evening, whatever it was, something stupid, let's call it a sin. I would say, now you know what, what I did when I said this right over here. Of course, they knew. They remembered. I just want you to know that I was wrong and I am really sorry. And I want you to, ask, I want you to forgive me. And, and I'm going to ask Jesus to forgive me. And I would pray when I prayed for them to, to go to sleep. I would pray for God to forgive my sin and I'd name it and call it a sin well kids won't hold stuff against you if you acknowledge it was stupid and you're sorry and you're trying to quit they're far larger than some adults so if you blow it acknowledge it apologize and if you get a chance let them hear you asking God to forgive you it's it's real life then when they blow it, they have a model. This is what you do when you act stupidly. This is what you do. You ask God's forgiveness. You ask people's forgiveness. And then you go on as if you didn't sin. That's kind of cool. You know, that's the way God treats us, so we can just act like that. If we acknowledge it, owned it, apologized, confessed... Prayed, act like it didn't happen. Too easy? Yeah, that's, that's the gospel. It definitely is too easy. Sign me up for that, because that's the only thing that will work for me. So if you blow it, that is my suggestion. Now, I would like to have a prayer with the dads that are here. And what I want... Whether, you're, whether you've got newborns, we've got so many wonderful, these brand new little people. And I think maybe the very newest one among us is not that small. He was born over 10 pounds. But um, we, we got, we've got them from there to some of you may have children that are grandparents themselves. And I just want you to know that God will use you to bless everyone around you and since this is father's day and we have these incredible fathers and and then we have the rest of us who who are working on it and if you're not working on it i want you to join the bunch because we are working together to be what god wants us to be before i call this bunch to prayer if you're not walking with god if you've just been kind of letting your life go by I ask you today to open your heart because God will forgive your sins and just ask Jesus to come into your heart just as if you're a child. You, you can't come into the kingdom of God unless you become childlike anyway. Ask Jesus to come into your heart, forgive your sins, and start a walk with him. And it will change everything about it. Could I get you dads, the rest of you just remain standing, or seated rather. Could I get you, you dads to just stand and come down here? I'm going to have a prayer with you before we do the benediction.
This is so great. This is so much fun. Man, oh man. <laughs> wow. Now, I know you can't tell by looking, girls. But some of these guys are some of the brightest people you'll ever meet. Some of them were some of the best athletes you'll ever see. Or maybe still are. I don't know. And a whole bunch of them know how to love a wife and kids. And this is a remarkable bunch. I don't suppose anyone has it all, but God doesn't make us like that. He puts special gifts, and that way we need each other, and we need to interact, and we help each other out. If we're going to play um, a basketball game, I'm going to stand by. The, <laughs> I'm going to stand over on the sidelines and cheer cheer you. Um, or if it's um, play the keyboard really, really well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy it. But I have something I can bring. And I just want you guys to know that where you, where you think you're weak, and I'm not talking about gifts, you know, if you've lost your athletic stuff, it'll probably get worse, so <laughs> begin to accept that. But uh, we... We just need to be full of the Spirit of God. Those of us who are married, when we touch that gal, we need to bless her. And those kids that are evidence of our, our fatherhood, man, oh man, bless them. If they're still at home, you got lots of responsibility to shape and so forth. But bless them. Bless them. Praise God. I know it's kind of a girl thing in some minds, but I, I'd, like for us to, I'd like for us to join hands. We can't make a chain because there's too many rows of us. But this is, this is a team thing. This is, let's just say this is manly. All right. <laughs> and uh, those of you that are in your chairs, would you just extend your hand and pray the prayer of faith while I bless these men. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bring to you those of us, Father, who are dads. And Lord, some of us.